0: NBA Draft Combine Week here in the beautiful city of Chicago, Illinois. I've been to and fro the headquarters all week, Brad, the uh, Wind Trust Arena, home of the DePaul Blue Demons, as well as the uh, Marriott Marquis, uh, but home for the evening after the NBA Draft Lottery, which saw Victor Womenyama's rights likely awarded to. The San Antonio Spurs will get the number one overall pick in the draft. I know if you were to fire up BovadaSportsBook.com right now, the odds are like something preposterous that Victor will be the number one overall selection um, to the point where, I don't know if you watched, but it was incredibly funny to me how ESPN's full interview was like, Victor, congratulations, you're off to San Antonio. What does <laughs> it mean to you? I was like, do we want to add like a slight hint of uncertainty?
1: Well, oh, I mean, Woj, who's ESPN's star reporter, yes, spoils the picks to ruin the the, the, the his own station's telecast. So, so they can't be uh, <laughs> they can't be too upset with him ruining the suspense because the whole thing plays out on Twitter anyways.
0: But well, Woj called Woj called Yama not just the best prospect in the NBA history. I was just about to say But the best prospect in the history of team sports, which I think is probably like a conceivable thing, particularly because like football, like football prospects and um, like like baseball and hockey prospects are a little bit more unpredictable. And then obviously football prospects other than quarterbacks, like there's less value than an NBA player. But I still thought that was like a wild statement to just like kind of toss out there. Yeah, I mean, it's like I guess, but <laughs> like, I I'd like to see some other so. arguments. <laughs> yeah, but either way, I, I I sit here now with the uh the Lakers Nuggets game on. It appears my Lakers moneyline bet was uh, setting a few bucks on fire over at Epovada, uh, at but otherwise, one good spirit as roster movement comes to starts to slow down, and uh, we start to get clarity on a lot of these guys who are. On, on the fringes of the NBA process, we'll talk later in the show, Brad, about um, the, G League, uh, the G League League camp, which I was at, and the start of the Combine um, later this week, obviously, is the scrimmage portion of the Combine. But if you look historically, the number of guys who come back to school who are at the Combine is very low. Right? Well, I mean, I we there's usually a
1: couple guys each year from the actual Combine. Correct. Um, the G League Combine, I think most of those guys come back.
0: G-League Combine, well, the G-League Combine, it's, it's a little, it's better than 50-50, I think, of guys who have il- eligibility or who have left the door open beforehand, but it's not better than 50-50 overall because there are a lot of seniors at that thing, right? For instance, like, like this year's G-League Camp had Leaky Black, um, Hunter Tyson was one of the really good players there. He's obviously, he's done with school. Um, I'm trying to find the whole list of guys, but like um A lot of guys can't come back.
1: I remember our, our you know, one of our big sticking points with Devonte Jones, right, was that he was good at the G League Combine. Yes. That was him, right? And then. Correct. And then he he was not so, or he he uh had a slow start to his Michigan career, but,
0: but yeah, guys like Norchato or Norchato O'Mear could certainly come back. He's he's theoretically on the fence. Uh, Antonio Reeves, the guy I spoke to is on the fence. Anton Watson, Isaiah Stevens, um, Tristan Newton, Matthew morell, Emmanuel Miller. Um, so there are some guys that will make a big impact, but obviously others like Des Moines Hodge, that's a senior who can't go anywhere. Tosan Woman is already said he's going to stay in the draft. Colin Castleton, um, is a, is a fifth year senior. He has to go, um, so it's a it's a nice mix. We'll we'll see how it shakes out. And obviously, a couple of guys also who are in the portal, like Tyron Lawrence and Olivier Kamua. Uh, you could read my column from the G League camp on SI, but um, Olivier is very much leaning towards staying in the draft and turning pro. I, I spoke to one source relatively close to the situation who thought you'd be shocked if if Olivier went to college next year. He's kind of wired to be a pro. He has a passport. He's a good chance to get a two a in the new um with the third two a slot, but uh, I think people hoping that Olivier Kama is the big that will fall out of the sky for them uh in late May or early June are going to be disappointed
1: because he had a lot of
0: early buzz to michigan
1: and that and, and that would make a lot of sense because they only have Terrace Reed there at the five they can play together they can play separately uh, but that that would that would be a pretty big loss because you know he he was on. Tennessee is like a fourth or fifth best player, but and Tennessee was a really good team he He could take a bigger role and step up, but I
2: guess he's off to a greener pastures. You mentioned he is what
0: Swedish or something, so he has that past Swedish yes that makes all the difference it does indeed i mean i I do think there's a good chance he could be right exhibit he would definitely get an exhibit ten he might get a two a I talked to one n b a organization who everyone in their front office voted for him to get a combine uh, invite and they were stunned that he didn't get, get bumped up. Um, And and so that, you know, I I think there's definitely real interest in him as a two-way guy, but he would certainly be a high value asset if he were to go over play overseas in the Euro league or something like that. So um, we shall see there. Um, I caught caught up with Tristan Newton uh, over the weekend. He seemed to be indicating more towards coming back. he said that, Originally it was kind of a one year deal. He thought he you know that, that Hurley had sold him on come win a championship and get out. Um, but statistically didn't have the year he wanted to have and uh now is open to a return unless he can get a guarantee. John L. Davis in a similar position. If someone's gonna guarantee him something, he would be open to that. Anton Watson wants to be also in that similar boat. Antonio Reeves is more kind of fifty fifty. Um sort kind of like the other guys I spoke with. Um Tyron Lawrence um, didn't, didn't want to just jump in. He said that, you know, he felt like if he could get a guarantee um, potentially just even as a two way, if someone guaranteed before the draft, they'd give him a two way, he would stay in. Um, I will say he, 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 listed some schools recruiting him, uh, including a return to Vandy on the table, but Texas, uh, Auburn, Georgia, um, Texas tech has jumped into that mix. He didn't mention them, but they've been connected to him in recent days. Um, And then there's a few others. Kentucky's also in the mix. So, I will say with Tyron Lawrence, like I was not very impressed. I think he's a good college player, but he's like a six foot four straight wing because he can't play. You, you put him as a as a combo when he's trying to handle the ball. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to be a guy who can play with the ball in his hands a little bit more. He was very rough in the G League camp when they put him put him on the ball. Uh, in game 1 he was like a straight wing in game 2 they played him on the ball and he his like handle is just not very advanced like he he needs more work so like, i i think those hyping Tyron Lawrence is like the game changing backcourt piece for a lot of teams is probably a bit much he's like a he's like a clear he's like a he's an above average starter but he's nothing more than that um in, in he uh
1: he, he averaged like 13 a game on a pretty good SEC team yes. uh and he he came out of nowhere this year he's It was down
0: the stretch, though, where he really took off. Like, his last 10 games, he averaged like 18 a game on, like, 59% shooting.
1: And, I mean, if you're a high major team, you take that guy and make him your third best player in in a heartbeat. 100%. I'm just saying he won't be your best player. And and he's one of the few remaining late stock risers out there, if you remember when when he was a high school recruit. He was a, a guy who signed in the spring, I think, he may have been between Gonzaga and Vanderbilt if I remember correctly, and now you know we don't get those three-star freshmen anymore. Obviously,
0: we got a couple. This uh, the, this year's one appears to be this kid, Emily Yahalo.
1: Yes, Providence offered him. He visited Texas Tech. He visited Nebraska. Uh, Georgetown offered him. So
0: yes, but we'll see a lot where of will he- have like an international tie. um. Uh-huh. And teams just aren't looking for those as much. Like it's not, it's not as pursued.
1: Instead of like Maryland adding Madi Treor as their flyer,
0: Maryland's taking some weird chances in the portal this spring. Not a lot of like impact.
1: Well, I I was about to text you when Ian Martinez at the portal like wasn't he their starting two guard? And then I saw you tweet that exact same thing. Uh, yeah, I f- figured he was a starter there, and if if he's not graduated, he's gonna need a waiver. Uh, and instead now you figure Geronimo hits the starting lineup now. You move Deshaun Harris Smith up to the two. And that and that's an that's a very athletic and long group, but you could use Martinez as, I guess, theoretical shooting.
0: I mean, I I love their freshmen, like all three of their guards. I think uh like Harris Smith is super highly regarded, but I also think that uh jamie kaiser is going to wind up being one of the better players in the class i think that jonathan lamoth is a guy that has a really bright future as like a bigger slashing point guard uh combo type he, he's going to be really good i think like all three of those guys would be i don't know if they were quite like, like i don't know if any of them are going to be like all big 10 level guys maybe De- deshaun harris smith has that upside but i think all of them us going to be really really good players um But there's going to be some reliance on those guys and reliance, obviously on the returners with Jameer young Dante Scott and Julian Reese. They didn't, you know, they added a a role player in Geronimo uh, and then some very kind of a specialist in Stevens uh, and, and then a, a big guy in Traor who's more of a project, which I actually don't mind in a vacuum, but I think kind of looking at what they accomplished this spring you would have thought Maryland probably would have done – made made one bigger move, right, to try to give them a give them some juice beyond I, – I think they have enough to be like a kind of fringe top 25 team, but I'm not sure if there's juice beyond that. I mean, I, I
1: love Geronimo as like a potential sixth man on a bunch of teams. I was throwing him out for Nova. I was throwing him out for Marquette if Omax left. um, And then he picks Maryland, and I was like eh. – all right, you know, maybe they need him as a small ball five when uh, Reese is off. You know, you can play with Scott. Okay. Uh, but now it looks like he's going to be their starting, you know, three or four man, depending on how you view Scott. Um, I, I I don't even know if they're for just out 25. I think that they could be closer to the bubble. But, uh, well, um, I mean, and with with young Reese and Scott, that's that's a really good threesome still. No doubt. Great. And Harris Great. Smith is one of the high, you know, with, like, draft Twitter and, you know, people saying that he, he's underrated. Um, and they're all full now, so I guess they're rolling with starting Geronimo to it, but that was part of the sell,
0: so. I mean, they have decent, they have pretty good role allocation, but they have enough talent is really the question. Right. Lots of moves to be made here, kind of around the margins. Like, I Like, I will say, obviously, like, the so the like day-to-day huge amounts of movement has slowed to a certain extent. But if you look around the country, and this is not to say that every scholarship will get filled, like you can th- go through your depth charts. Like I'm on the Big Ten right now. Um, I have nine Big Ten teams is still having a scholarship. And Northwestern has one if Chase Odiz doesn't stay in the draft. Um, you know, in the Big Twelve, I have every team except for um West Virginia, Oklahoma State, um, and BYU is having one. TCU could have one if, if Damian Baugh um, stays in the draft, you know, in the, in the SEC, about half the teams still have scholarships. Some of them have up to three, like there's still spots to be filled. And whether those be with portal guys, whether that be international, whether that be, you know, late stock rise or a reclass, what have you. Um, there's still plenty of movement and there's still plenty of teams that have multiple, right? Like, like in the Big 12 Baylor has 3 Kansas has 3 K-State has 2 Iowa State has 2 Oklahoma has 2 Texas has 5 Texas Tech has 3 and uh UCF excuse me has 3 So there's 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 stuff to be done here Absolutely and um
1: So you you had mentioned Kansas, why don't we hop there? Um and
0: do we want to start? Do we want to, do we want to frame it through the Mbako lens, and then switch sure. to Kansas as we go? So, so we, McKen- we were all fooled. We all thought that that they were going to get
1: McKenzie Mbako. He goes to Indiana, where he gets to be the three man. I guess KJ Adams gets his wish. He, he he is going to start at the four next to Hunter Dickinson.
0: I was uh, very concerned for Mister Adams. Very concerned. The Kansas fans were very angry at me that I tweeted that. I thought they were discarding K.J. Adams. Like, no, no, it won't be a problem. Mackenzie M'Bacco is a great shooter. He can play the three. Uh, Mackenzie M'Bacco shot 20% in the YBL. Well, no, but Adam Finkelstein wrote in an article that he's a great shooter. So
1: I I wanted to start the show with this, actually, and I completely forgot. In the past week, the Kansas fans called your brain dead. Yes. You said K.J. Adams uh, was going to get buried. You had um, the... Mont Butler family, you are, are in a feud over potential NIL. Which he's either the most valuable NIL deal in the country, or eight does does eight points in the Mountain West get you the the, the most valuable NIL deal in the country? Oh, remember he's
0: he's a terrific defender, and he's an amazing young man. They're all amazing young men. Um, and then I was on the Georgetown message board. Oh,
1: geez. And when you posted your tweet about Isaiah Miranda, they said that you were holding water. I'm not sure for who. For the Kevin The Miranda contingent. I don't know who who's in the party that's opposed to Isaiah Miranda, but whoever whoever that uh, shadowy cabal is, you you are holding water for them. I mean, so so you've had quite the week.
0: I will I will take some bets as to whether Isaiah Miranda is a productive like if if Bovada wants to set up a a line for me of like Isaiah Miranda over under 16 and a half minutes per game next year I would hammer the under. Oh really? He's he's gonna be unplayable Brad.
1: I mean Georgetown is just really punting this year almost kind of strange, because all, all you heard was $3 million il NIL. They're going to get Justin Moore. They're going to get Hunter Dickinson. And and they they may end up with something that's promising for the future with a lot of guys with a lot of years of eligibility. But that's, that's not how you build a team these days. you got to be as good as you can be every single year.
2: It,
0: and it seems to me that Cooley has been a little bit too picky.
1: He's really relying on these guys are trapped, like Jaden Evans, Rowan Brombaugh, Miranda, um, if if and when they get them, and styles that they've already transferred once they can't leave. That's that's kind of what this all hinges on.
0: Um, here's like an interesting kind of poll question, and then we'll get to the Baco stuff. I apologize for derailing our conversation. How like like over under two and a half seasons before Georgetown has more talent than Providence.
1: So it could be next year if, because, I mean, Sam Messini said that he thinks that Garway is a sneaky one and done.
2: Right.
1: And he also said he thinks that both Devin Carter and Bryce Hopkins could get drafted next year. So It's all theoretical. Right. But if those three guys aren't on the team next year, then Georgetown probably should have more talent. The team that's led by junior Jaden Pierre, junior Corey Floyd, and potentially COVID senior Lance Ware. Unless uh, they,
0: like, dominate the portal. Yeah.
1: Right. Um, so if, if if we're saying hypothetically next year, you know, Providence is running out those three guys with um, Justin Fernandez and a transfer, and then Georgetown's running out, you know, Brumbaugh and Epps and Styles and – you know, the, the Miranda, the Sorber, I think you probably get the edge of Georgetown, but if if Carter, if some more, combo Carway
0: Carter and Darway came, came back, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, there's a world where it takes a while for Cooley to be like more talented than Providence,
2: but like the attorney- should, like like look like I,
0: I I think everyone who's been somewhat critical of Kim English, none of them have had the criticism
2: as, like, a recruiter. Well, I
1: mean, Jeff Goodman was like, Kim English doesn't actually get, get the recruits. Cooley gets the recruits from the grave.
0: Well, yes. But in general, I think people people acknowledge that he is an excellent recruiter. Yeah. Um,
1: just so far, so good. I mean, people seem to love playing for him. The fact that he was an NBA player. Brings some credibility that 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 like he's he's young and energetic. Uh, and this twenty twenty-four class is gonna be a monster. I I think it, ha, had Cooley stayed at, at Providence even, Providence would have had a monster twenty twenty-four class. They'd already gotten Kayvon Mulrady, who moved over to Georgetown. But for Georgetown, the, the DMV is loaded for a twenty four. They're in the top three for Drew McKenna, who's the top hundred recruit. Sorber who's Reclassifying and probably committing to Georgetown tomorrow. He was a top 60 guy in 2024, so they have they have plenty of options to uh, get 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 this train moving. I you know, I'm I'm not worried at all about Georgetown long term. I think that Cooley will probably do a little better at Georgetown than he did at Providence, but he's not he's not hitting hitting the ground running. I think it would be completely disingenuous to say that this this Georgetown team next year is going to be you know. top of the Big East contender or, you know, a national championship contender or anything like that.
0: Agreed. Um. Why don't we get to McKenzie and Baco, biggest commitment of the week, five-star freshman, big wing, you know, in that mold that everyone wants, right? Like you're sitting there at at the combine, you're watching the lottery, you hear people talk about Brandon Miller and they say, oh, Brandon Miller could be like that, Paul George, that, you know, Brandon Ingram, you know, list off big wing here, right? Mackenzie and Baco has a similar skill set. Now, will he reach that ceiling? I think is an open question, right? I mean, particularly given the fact that Mackenzie and Baco um comes from the worst high school class in potentially two decades. He's a, you know, certainly talented kid, but has not necessarily been consistent. Um, the Um, Scouting report on him seems to be mixed depending on who evaluated him when. Seems like the people who went to Hoop Summit are very high on Mr. Mbako. The people who went to McDonald's are very, or the McDonald's All-American game, excuse me, um, are very low on Mbako. The truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Um, But this is, you know, one of the premier talents in a somewhat untalented class of 2023, joining uh, Indiana roster that was already um, starting to look um, it looked to be on the like upswing from a talent standpoint. Um, but Mike Woodson's really taken some swings, steals a guy who I think if went, when his first was list first came out, you would have put Indiana four out of four on that list behind, uh, you know, Louisville, St. John's and, and Kansas. Instead, he chooses the Hoosiers and, and joins a team that has Xavier Johnson back has Khalil Ware has, you know, Malik Reno and really just needs a little bit more shooting to go with Trey Galloway on the way.
1: Right. So this Indiana team, it's going to be huge, right, with Mbaku with the three, Renault with the four. Those guys are both probably playing up from a modern basketball perspective. And you're going to have a seven-foot super athlete, Cloare at the five. Their front court is deep, too. But, you know, Who knows why Anthony Walker chose to go here? Uh, but that's, that's pr- pretty valuable in a 10- to 15-minute game role. They got Sparks, back-of-the-basket score, one of the first guys to pop in the portal. So this front court's really strong. Xavier Johnson, you know, has hit some uh, warranted criticism at times, but objectively he's one of the best point guards in the country, especially as a fifth-year senior. And then Galloway has played a ton of minutes. He's been the glue guy, been a you know probably, probably le- less of a shooter than we think. He's more more glue guy than shooter. Um, so as as you were saying, that could be one of the big concerns. And they do have one spot if they can try to get a, another shooter. I know that they were trying to get Jordan Dingle, right? But um, yeah, they should be a probably a top twenty five team just based on that size and athleticism. in The front
0: court is going to keep them in
1: almost every game they play.
0: Yeah, I mean look I think upside wise they have they have the look of a team that could be really good, right? They're very athletic, they're very long. I'm probably lower than the national consensus though on four of their five starters. Like
2: who's who's the one who you're cool on?
0: Trey Galloway. <laughs> I think Trey Galloway is fine. Everybody else Thinks he's fine, whatever. But like, I I I think XJ's okay, but he's not a great shooter. He had all the excitement after the year he had down the stretch in 2020, um, 122, and then came out this past year and was just okay. I mean, he averaged 10 and 5, which is cool, right? But like, you know, you say he's one of the better point guards in the country. I mean, exactly. he's got what? He's got to be one of the best point guards in the country. I'm going to look around the Big Ten. Would you prefer to have him or Boo Booey? You would um, take Boo. You I'll take Boo. Would you prefer to have him or Jameer
2: Young? That's a close one, right? I mean, I think it's not. I think it's pretty clearly Jameer Young. Okay, who's next? Would you rather have him or Bruce Thornton?
0: I think... I think Thornton's gonna have a huge year. I would take Thornton as well. So right there, he's number four in the league. Is he better than Braden Smith?
1: Yes. He's better than Braden Smith. He's better than Hogard. He's better than
0: Is he better than Ace Baldwin? Is he better than Tony Perkins? Yes, like, to is. me to yes. me he's much closer to that tier. Where like is he better than Ray J. Dennis if Illinois gets Ray J. Dennis? Like Probably. I, I guess my point is that he's much more in that tier than like an elite big 10 boy. Guard. Cause he's limited mm-hmm. as a shooter. He's not consistent night in night out. Those
1: would be. So, my thing. If, if for you were to make a top 100 player list next year, do you, you would
0: not have Xavier Johnson, you don't think. Well, honestly, I, I, that'd be hard to say. My hunch would be that he'd wind up in like the, well, we did. Everyone did it last year, and the Philly State had him in like the nineties. And then he was like, "That's clown shit." And I think you wound up with him higher when you did yours.
1: I I I think I had him around there too. Him and him and Tyson Walker, I had back to back. But yeah. I'd rather have Tyson
0: Walker. And he's coming. You know, he's he's coming off a worse finish than he had the previous year. He came off an injury. I think he's pretty borderline, right? But like, whatever. Xavier Johnson, a fine point guard. That's that's not an issue position. I'm not totally convinced Khalil Ware is going to have a very good year. I think he's you know all all tools and all upside, but his motor runs very inconsistently. He's not a guy that really has been all that productive in any walk of of, of life. Uh, and I'm just not I'm not totally convinced that like I, I think his skill set meshes well with Johnson but I don't think his skill set meshes well with a team that's going to go two, three, four of Galloway and Baco and Renew. I'm lower on Renew, very much lower on Renew. And I think that's something that a lot of big 10 coaches would share. Malik Renew is like very, very like toolsy. Again, he's, you know, he's really big. He really rebounds. He can handle the ball a little bit. He can take an outside shot. But Malik Renew is like really, really slow processing the game. He's not a very good decision maker. He commits really dumb fouls. Like he's just not. To me, Malik Renu is not the guy people should be penciling in for like the big time breakout sophomore year. And then Mbako, I think, will have nights where he's 20 and you know 20 and seven. He'll have more. I think he'll have more nights where he's eight and three on three for 11. For, so I start to I see Indiana kind of closer to the bubble, but I also think of Indiana as one of these teams where like I'll rank them like 37th nationally or something like this. But the the realistic outcomes are more like they're 20, you know, they're top 20 or they're like missing the tournament. And their and their Ken going to be really good because they have that size and athleticism
1: where they're not going to be susceptible to the mid majors you know, they're going to run them out of the gym. Theoretically. Yeah. I, I I mean, those, those are the teams that do it. The, the teams that lose by games are you know, don't, don't have six, eight, six, nine, seven foot, all McDonald's all American as, as a three, four, five.
0: True. Um. Let me ask you this. Like right now, would you, obviously it's hard. Like, like, do you think that when the odds come out from Bovada that they will be a like top tier Big Ten contender on paper in the preseason?
1: For gambling odds?
0: Yeah, for gambling odds, ten pound. Yes. You're predicting the same thing, right?
1: Yeah, I I, I think that they're 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 going to be seen as
2: probably third in the Big Ten behind Five, Michigan State Purdue and. and Michigan State. State.
1: Yeah, I I think that they'll be seen ahead of Northwestern. Head of Ohio State, head of Maryland.
0: Illinois, if they get Ray J. Yeah. And get Shannon back. I mean, I think if Illinois gets Ray J and Shannon, that they should probably be better than Indiana. And Coleman Hawkins is gone, question mark? He hasn't said it, but I would be very surprised if he's back, from what I've been told by multiple sources.
2: So would uh would would Gary start at the
0: five? Um, it could be Gary it could be Danger. They've talked to Aziz Bandego. I don't know that they're going to get Aziz Bandego, but. So what's what's the concern with his waiver?
1: Was he at another school before Utah Valley?
0: Correct. Yes, he was at Akron for two years. I had no idea. He was Akron's backup center for two years and then went to Utah Valley for a year and then. But he's been very, very diligent with the mental health mention. So if the NCAA is going to give out any mental health waivers, Mr. Bandego, I think, is getting one of them. Um
1: <laughs> Yeah, that's the, the NCAA just loves their waivers so much. They love bureaucracy and forms and p- paper pushers and like why, why would mental health have anything to do with your basketball eligibility? Like, cause you could argue that some guys with their mental health need to not be playing basketball or some guys need to be playing basketball. Why would that be a deciding factor as to whether you can play or not?
0: Well, what was so stupid about the whole thing
2: was like, like like who thought it was a good idea to
0: create a new system that wasn't like cut and dry yeah <laughs> right like cuz the, the cuz if you remember like the original waivers was like you was like I'm homesick and I'm moving like within 100 miles right that was the whole thing I remember it was yeah. 100 mile rule or if like your dad got fired right yeah you needed some reason to be near home Right. And they got rid of that. Then they but then they like kind of expanded. There's other reasons, there's a runoff, whatever. It should be a like clear cut set of criteria. Like it should be one non-sit-out transfer for all parties. You can grad transfer whatever you want. And if your coach changes, you can transfer that off season if you want. And i know they don't want to do that because what they're going to say is that if you you allow kids to transfer that when a coaching change happens then it's going to only further encourage kids to go in the portal when that happens right and they don't want they don't want they don't want that to be the driver but that would be the easiest system everyone would understand that system instead instead they were like the only scenarios where we'll let you play are the most wishy-washy ones. We're like, we're just going to present, like, how, how are we d- differentiating whose mental health requires a transfer? And, and 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 by the way, right, like, so 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 Mr. Bandego, right, and I, I don't mean to make light of mental health, right, because I certainly, you know, it, whatever he is dealing with um, related, whether it be related to his coach leaving for another job or not, you know, could be quite serious. That being said, if like you're really leaving rental, like how are how are we evaluating these schools? Like, are we like, oh yeah, like Illinois has better like counseling services for me? Or like, oh, we, like he, he I think you think he mentioned he wanted to be like closer to his friends. Like, where where are your friends? You're, you, also like, you, list, you listed your schools as Illinois, Cincinnati, uh, Duke. Kansas, Kansas and uh and Duke. Those are very far-flat, far-fleet. You know, far but
1: also, like, it says that it's explicitly that you cannot get a mental health waiver because of a coaching change. But isn't that probably the most likely cause of a mental health um, right. issue is that your your coach who you formed this bond with and you trusted and you went to the school because of them? Maybe you've already transferred once, right, uh, to go co- co- play with the school, up and leaves with, like, two days' notice after you see a truly Donovan tweet. And then you're probably pretty sad. You're pretty in the dumps. You're, pretty, pretty, you're probably like, why did I go to the school? You know, why did I do this? And they're like, well, that's – you you're you're not allowed to be sad because your coach left because you have to pick the school because
0: of the school. It's really quite dumb. They should just let all the kids whose coaches get fired or leave for other jobs. They should be allowed to transfer. And everyone else, like, you know, my bad if, you know, I'm, I'm sorry if ex-kid who transferred last year has a mental health issue and feels the need to get out of the school. He can go sit out a year. It won't be the end of the world. Right, yeah, there's
1: there's, there's no reason why a mental health issue means you should play right away. Like,
2: that's, that's not – that's – right,
1: That's that's creating an incentive to try to abuse the mental health system well i do yeah right again
2: like it's so
0: it's not a coincidence that the only people who you see mention mental health in their like notes app departure notice are kids who are transferring a second time doesn't mean that kids who are transferring the first time don't suffer from mental health issues or that the kids who are doing it a second time aren't but it is very convenient.
2: Absolutely. But I think, I think we've run this into the ground. We're all on the same page. Yes. Either way, the Mbako News did, on the other hand,
0: put Kansas in a relatively difficult position because. Kansas didn't Kansas losing one big after Hunter Dickinson hit, you know, picked pick the Jayhawks was not surprising. Right? There's too many cooks in the kitchen. You have Adams who can play the five. You have these two young big, and you have Dickinson. But losing both felt like a very clear indicator, like, all right, we're we're getting Mr. Mbako. Now they're not. They just took Parker, Parker Braun from Santa Clara, who's Christian Brown, or Parker Brown, excuse me. I guess because it's Christian. I was like, it's is it is Parker Brown, and that's Christian Brown's brother, so it should be Parker Brown. Uh, they took Parker Brown from Santa Clara, who averaged like eight and six. He's a fine player. He's probably not a Big 12 player for any other team than, than KU. Um, but Kansas loses edge of four to St. John's, and Ernest Uday, who is considering Duke, Memphis, TCU, Kansas State, some really big name programs. Do you think we'll look back on the Dickinson move and, like, think it wasn't necessarily worth it? Well, no, and here's why, right?
1: So Kansas is one of the few programs that with NIL, with brand, with an unbelievable track record of consistent winning, Kansas will always get the Hunter Dickinson. So if you're Ernest, if you're Ernest Uday and Bill Self's like, wow, you know, I really liked what Ernest did this year. I think I think he could have a bigger year next year. But Ernest averaged, you know, three points a game and 12 minutes a game as a freshman. Or whatever he averaged. But, you know, for, for for the sake of the example, right? Good, solid backup center numbers. Okay, maybe he'll start as a sophomore. And maybe he'll average 12 and 8 as a sophomore. Well, we're Kansas and the number one transfer on the board, this big guy who was either an incredibly accomplished player like like Hunter Dickinson or like a great NBA or, you know, they got Diedrich Lawson a few, few years back. And you know, they're, they're always going to be in the mix for the cream of the crop transfer. So
0: there'll there always be a Hunter Dickinson. And they will always be in the mix for whichever high school bigs they want. Right. Like right. they so, might not be able to get Ernest Uday every year, but they can get edge of four every year. Right. So Bill Self
1: can never trust Ernest Uday to take that jump and be the starting center because there's always Hunter Dickinson out there. I mean, he did last year, to be clear. And instead of letting K.J. Adams start for a second straight year, he's like, you know what? We're getting Hunter Dickinson. So Hunter Dickinson, say he leaves after this, this next year. The, you know, Ernest Ude will always be behind the transfer that they bring in. So I don't think it's going to be a bad move. I, I do think it's kind of funny that Zuby is going to be a backup at St. John's this year. Um, both, you know, he, he was, he was considering Nova as well. And that was the same, same exact position, you know, play behind Joe Soriano, play behind Eric Dixon, then start as a junior. And in, in theory, if, if he came back to Kansas, in theory, he could start as a junior, but then they're going to get the next hundred Dickinson in there to always be over him. So I think that, that was a good move for all three parties. I mean, you, you would think Ernest Uday might be in the mix or start at Duke, right?
0: I mean, he'd certainly have a chance to play.
1: I mean, he's he's competing with, you know, starting flip at the five, or they stay with Ryan Young, or they go with Sean Stewart, who's a small ball five. Um, so, I mean, he could,
2: he could definitely earn that job. Agree. Um.
0: On the Kansas front, though, like I, I do think as the dust starts to settle, and this is not to say they couldn't make one more move, you know, there's still also the question of of Kevin McCuller and whether he'll come back after testing the draft process. He was at, he is at the combine this week in Chicago. Um, but I think some of the narrative, like oh man, Kansas is like the favorite to win it all. They're so loaded, whatever. Like we we kind of have to like take a take a pause here on that because this is a it's a good team. It's a very good team on paper. They have a very good point guard. They have a very good center. But, like, is this team more talented than last year, Kansas?
1: No. It, it's just people love DeWan Harris. They love that style of player. Kind of I mean, like Z- Xavier, John, or, uh, uh, Xavier Simpson once upon a time. You know, just like that pass first, run the team, doesn't score point guard. College basketball fans... Love that guy, especially when that guy wins a lot. Um so so he's he's right in that 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 is, you know, Dewan ha DeWan Harris
0: is that player. Right. I just think at the end of the day, like two through four they are arterio Morris who is about to go to the Paul, Nick Timberlake, who's a good player, but Nick Nick Timberlake is not Nick Timberlake is not an all league level wing. And then KJ Adams, who can't shoot. And then your benches like El Marco, Marcus Adams, Parker Brown, Chris Johnson, and Jamari McDowell, If they don't get McCullough back. Like that that's a top ten team because it's Bill Self. That's a top, you know, maybe if maybe even a top like five ish team, right? This this year's Kansas team was, but like this group is not. Not blowing anyone away at this point. It's a good team, and I think, Her- like, like we've talked about this on the pod before. Like Bill Self will accentuate Hunter Dickinson's strengths, and I we're both believers in KJ, and we think Nick Kimberley can make shots, and arterio has got upside. Now Marco can really score, but like, if if that team is like a top three to five favorite to win it all, then I think the sports probably not that great next year. Like, if we're sitting around on, you know, October 1st and, you know, Kansas is a top three favorite on Bovada to win the championship, I think that's probably a that's probably an indicator that no other elite teams have emerged. And, you know, that happens. But, like, I'm just, yeah. I, I think there was a point where Kansas looked like they could be a little bit overwhelming on a talent front or at least come close to it. I think they're clearly less talented today than Duke is.
1: Yeah, I, I think if anyone has the overwhelming talent, it's Duke. And if you remember last year, I mean, a lot of people didn't even have UConn in, in their top 25. And this this whole Kansas thing is is more Bill Self and the kind of respect and kind of a brand bump than is the roster. People are talking themselves into the roster. Um, but th- this is not overwhelming roster. This roster is probably not even as good as Michigan's roster last year, which I think we touched on a couple times, but Kevin McCullough is the big swing piece, because if they get him, he's an all-Big 12 player. He's a terrific defender. He's a double-figure scorer. Adding him in the mix, now we're talking. Now we're talking not not an overwhelmingly talented team, but a team that I'll I'll, I'll nod along if you call him a top-five team.
0: And again, the like Kansas could be the num could be a number one seed. They were this past year. This is the record for quad one wins, right? Like there was a there was a stretch this season where it looked like Kansas had a very real chance of getting the number one overall seed in the Play tournament. But also, when you watch that team, especially in March, you kind of saw the deficiencies. And I'm not necessarily sure, like talent wise, they've really addressed those without some like real crazy jumps from guys that you don't necessarily expect. Right. Like, and look, I guess two years ago, you probably would have said something somewhat similar in the sense of like Ochag Agbaje was not anticipated to be that level of guy. And Jalen Wilson this past year wasn't anticipated to be that level of guy. So is there a guy like that this year? I don't know. Maybe I mean, it's AJ.
1: Even Grady Dick wasn't. Uh, I don't think people necessarily saw a lottery pick. In the preseason from Grady like i I could be mis, misremembering that, but
0: that's fair. But yeah, Kansas, Kansas will be fine. I just think the I don't th- I don't know if they're like all a clear-cut top three team right now, so we'll see. Um, you mentioned Edge of Four. He's off to St. John's. Also off to St. John's is Jordan Dingle, the Yale transfer, the leading returning scorer in all of college basketball. That means that St. John's roster, at least for now, is set. All 13 scholarships filled looking at something like Danis Jenkins, assuming he gets his waiver, Jordan Dingle, RJ Luis, Glenn Taylor, Joel Soriano, with Aline Conway, Slazinski, and Four off the bench, and then deeper down on the rotation, guys like Teresa Traor, Sadiko Ibinayo, Cruz Davis, and Brady Dunlap. I, I We've kind of beaten this, this horse already of like, they're not as talented as people anticipated they'd be. But I do think these last two moves solidify them as a tournament team. They give them the upside, I think, to be kind of towards the top 25, um, if Dingle is as good as I think a lot of people think he can be. And I do like that they've gotten a few longer-term pieces in this in this thing, right? Like obviously, Dingle's a one-year deal. Um, Soriano is likely a one or Soriano only does have the one year left. Yeah. Um, but like R.J. Luis is a three-year guy um edge of four is a three-year guy um Brady Dunlap is a four-year guy with top 100 recruit that's very nice for them like they're still going to have to turn some pieces but I do think it's promising to get a guy like edge of four who you could pencil in potentially as your starter at the five in 20 24, 25 and should be I mean statistically was excellent for Kansas this past year like if you look at his rebounding numbers his block numbers like he was a monster statistically now part of that was just limited minutes and sometimes it was in by games or whatever but like that's a guy that has the talent to be certainly a good big center uh, and certainly a very capable backup to soriano
1: so for st john's this upcoming year i think that the yeah they're they're a fringe top 25 team i think i think the real question is in five years ten years Will will we be using Drissa Treor as an answer to to a trivia question? Like in 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 Rick Pitino's first year when he leads St. John's to the Final Four, he returned two players from the Mike Anderson era, Joel Soriano and who? Do, you,
0: do we do we think Drissa treor We should we should take preseason bets on which conference Drissa Treor is playing in uh, next year.
1: I mean, I'm pretty stunned he stuck around, but uh, they, I guess they, by wanted, the Mac.
0: they wanted to keep him a little bit for, for his ties to other young talent. Yeah, he.
1: I, I remember when when it first came out that Rick was only going to be keeping Soriano and Treor and the media was, you know, giddy with, "Oh, Rick's cleaning house. He's pulling all these scholarships from kids. This is this is incredible." Um, and I went through Drissa Treyor's follows on Twitter, and it was a lot of talented guys. I don't remember exactly who who they were, but I remember thinking, okay, I see it now.
0: I think the one that has been mentioned a lot is the Edgecombe kid.
1: Right, from, from Long Island Lutheran.
0: Yeah. Yes. Uh, and, and there's also the upside with Jordan Dingle that um, his father is very involved with the New York Lightning AU program, um, which has some talent coming up here in the next couple of years. So... Um, potential chess moves here from Mr. Petino, But I think in year one, they have, they have enough. Certainly not an overwhelming group. I also, I'm curious your thoughts
2: on this, Brad. How do you
0: think we will see a little bit of Edge of four Soriano together? Edge of four did say that Rick told him he's a forward. Uh, which... I was thinking more Soriano getting bumped to the four. But whatever whatever Rick however Rick wants to. Yeah, I
1: I mean Rick played a ton of like Raymond Spaulding with Anas Mahmoud and, like
0: He loves having that like being... big long center combined with like the stockier one who can like kind of play out of the mid post.
1: Shane Bahannon, yeah, like those guys.
0: Like even at Iona this year, he had uh, uh Nelly Joseph and then they had Osborne Shima. Right.
1: I mean, I, I think that that could be a good, good move for for Rick to to play the two bigs together. They're both obviously great offensive rebounders. They're very physical and they move very well. And if you look at the other teams in the Big East, you're probably not gonna run into a similarly sized and athletic four or five domination. Like that's gonna be a lot bigger than like Bryce Hopkins and Josh Aduro or. Zach Fremantle and Abu Uzman, that's probably the closest comparison.
0: I was going to say Fremantle, Usman, and then if DePaul gets Nick on Genda back, they could do the Deshaun Nelson and Nick on Genda duo. Also, theoretically, like, Creighton with Isaac Trout and Kalkbrenner would be, like, more traditional. That's not super physical,
1: though.
0: It's, Agreed. Yeah, it's tall, but... Tall, though. Butler's fans will tell me that Jamil Telford and Jalen Thomas is the answer.
1: Or that's what about... Jameel Thomas. What? And a screen. Oh yeah, big screen guy. Or it's Jalen Thomas and Jameel Telford. That's 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 gonna be tricky if we ever talk about Butler again. I hope we don't have to. Just just a quick realignment thing.
2: Yes. Ha- have me thinking about it. Well, everyone's we- thinking about it because they're all bored. I don't understand
1: why UConn would actually be invited if the Big 12 just added, like, Central Florida. That's football. Why would you go around and then add UConn? That doesn't make any sense.
0: Well, the person who added Central Florida to the Big 12 no longer runs the Big 12. Uh Aha. That's not to say that... um, That's not to say that UCF was a bad move or a good move or whatever, but... Um, that was like the initial reaction. We need four teams that are all good at football. So I had a BYU, which is good at football and as a national brand UCF, which is good at football and is in Florida Cincinnati, which just went to the college football playoff. Uh, and then the fourth one is Houston, which made sense regionally and has had success in football. Um, the new big 12 commissioner's name is Brett, Yormark. Um, he was a high ranking executive for, I believe, rock nation. Um, and he is kind of very bold and brash and but also like he's doing all these things with like like wants the big 12 to be global like he's 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 the one pushing this like oh the you know kansas should play houston and mexico city and you know they did some stuff with in new york city during uh during the elite agency scene from uh marquise noel it's like a league at a league league wide level like He's a New York City guy and would, like, love to have a Northeast presence to be this, like, national conference. And he would view UConn as the easiest chip into that world. Um, I think it would be a poor decision for UConn to do unless UConn just really needs the money.
2: Okay. And then,
1: secondly, because I've been reading a lot about the ACC. Yes. they they think that they can they can get out of their Grant or rights contract and they say okay we got seven or maybe we got eight with with Louisville, so those seven or eight schools would break off and form a new ACC with just the eight of them, and then they can get the same or taking in more money per school in a TV contract, or those eight schools would then try to sell themselves to be the seventeenth or eighteenth team on the SEC Big Ten etc.
0: Um, that's complicated. So my view on the situation, there's a few different angles that could go there, right? Like my, my personal hunch as to what's happening is that Florida State and Clemson and maybe Miami, those are the two to three most powerful brands in the ACC. They are trying to find allies. They see the easiest way as to getting out of the grant of rights is to dissolve the league. So they're going to try to find allies to say, hey, this deal sucks for you guys too. Why don't we dissolve this league and we can be a thing together? But realistically, their bigger aspiration would be an SEC invite. So if right. they could get the ACC to dissolve with that like group of eight, then they could say, well, we just got invited to the SEC. Sorry, fellas, we're out.
1: Right, like... There's not room for those eight teams to all find a power conference spot, you wouldn't think.
0: Correct. They would want to restart and make their own TV deal, which wouldn't necessarily be there's no guarantee that would be substantially more lucrative than what they're currently in. Particularly because, like, obviously, like, like this is not a great market to be doing these things in. Right. The big the the, the, the Pac-12, obviously, those brands would be a little bit more powerful than the Pac-12, but the Pac-12 is struggling to get its TV deal done. The NBA's rights are up, ESPN's trying to pay those. Disney is currently laying people off left and right. They're the people who'd be cutting the check, right? Like maybe Fox would get involved, but again, it's not a. It's not like it's it's a lot easier in theory than in practice to be like, yeah, we're gonna dissolve this conference, make a new one with like only the valuable members, and leave the other ones behind. What I think realistically will will come of it all is that this this kind of Magnificent Seven or Magnificent Eight, however it's being marketed, that group of schools will use their their leverage to get uneven revenue sharing in the ACC, which some leagues already have. Like Gonzaga makes more money on the WCC's TV deal than everyone else in the, the league. Um, Boise State makes more money on the Mountain West TV deal than everyone else in the league. It would be, I think, something somewhat similar, where you know okay we need to we need to start splitting the money in a better in a way that's more advantageous to us because it's not fair that Boston College and Clemson bring in the same money when Clemson's a far more valuable you know television property particularly in football than Boston College's and Boston College theoretically would begrudgingly go along with said said plan because well their other option is what join the American and like play Temple every year
1: right so if like those eight broke away and say that they did end up, you know, forming a new eight, a new ACC, then maybe the Big East could get like Duke and Syracuse. That'd be pretty cool. Um, and then Boston College, Pitt, Georgia Tech, whoever else I'm forgetting, we'll have to,
0: yeah, probably have to join the American. There's
1: like no other option.
0: Well, would the Big Twelve take? to Tech to get into Atlanta. I mean, that might, that that's something you could like envision happening at some point, you know, like, I think, so So so, so the heart of all these issues, Brad, is essentially, and we don't need to do like a, you know, hour long realignment conversation, particularly given that like, most of my knowledge comes from reading good work from other people who do a great job, like Ross Dallinger and Pat Forty from SI, like, The the heart of all of this is that everyone is afraid. Everyone who's not in the Big Ten and the SEC is afraid that they're going to be seen as like a secondary league that doesn't have the same level of cachet, particularly in football, than the Big Ten and the SEC. And if a championship no longer feels attainable in those conferences, then those schools that expect to compete for championships in football – and again, that would namely be like Miami, Florida State, Clemson. Uh, in the Pac-12, that would be Oregon. That could potentially be Washington in the Big 12. You know, that would be, um, you know, I think probably teams like Oklahoma State probably have like somewhat of an aspiration. Um, you know, teams like Texas Tech probably have more aspiration than they probably deserve to have, right? Like things like that. So there's not enough money to go around between, between the, you know, let's there's 35 ish power five teams outside of the big 10 and the SEC. Maybe there's 40, something in that range, 30 to 40. Realistically, there's not enough money to go around all those schools <clears throat> for them to feel on a anywhere close to even playing fields of the big 10 and SEC's money. So either we keep reshuffling deck chairs on the Titanic and keep sending each other to other leagues, or we create some sort of divide where teams are falling out of power five, which really has not happened. How that works, whether that's leagues dissolving, whether that's, you know, leagues consolidating, whether that's leagues booting members, I don't know how it's going to work, but that's like the, that is the looming big problem. And how that impacts college basketball, no one really knows. Um, but I think the, the one potential long-term play that could be working college basketball's favor would be if you got some sort of zombie big east where you know Pittsburgh and Syracuse and Boston College and you know you, you you mentioned even potentially Duke, could you wind up with those schools creating some sort of like mid-level football conference and joining the Big East in all of the sports? And if they did that. That would be great for the sport of college basketball.
1: But the Big East would never take Boston College, I don't think, or, or like Wake Forest, right? Like they don't add anything to a TV deal.
0: Well, that would be the question.
1: Yeah. So Boston College is really in like, well, probably Washington State and Oregon State and Boston College, right? Are are like the three teams that are really, uh, really sweating it out. Conceivably. It's really all, all Netflix's fault for breaking up the cable bundle because now the only way that you can sell like good ads right, is to have live content that everyone's watching, and that's only sports. So now there's an arms race to get all the sports you can at whatever cost, which drives up the price for the biggest sports leagues. Like the Big Ten, the SEC, which therefore you got to be in there to get the biggest checks. Oh, really? It's all it's on
2: Netflix
0: as well. Oh well, I'll go back to watching The Diplomat. You know, keep moving.
1: Did you finish The Diplomat, or I you have still- a
0: couple more episodes to go.
1: Um, back to basketball, I guess. Um. Who else is on? We got some truly Donovan action for Lance Ware to Providence. Hasn't happened yet, I don't think. I haven't been on my phone during the pod. But what do you think about the Lance Ware potential
0: addition? I mean, it makes sense. Right? I mean, I think Lance Ware is like a completely functional rotation player. I don't know that he has, like, real upside to do much more than that because he doesn't do any one thing that, at, at at super high level. But he is – he never looked out of place at Kentucky, I would say.
2: He's a terrific recruit. He's a very good athlete. Do you think he, he could
1: ever play with Oduro? They can both
0: pass really well so maybe that's that's Yeah, cool. I I I think Goduro wants to like kind of be a four and I think Kim really wants him to be a four and I think Bryce Hopkins probably wants to be a three, right? Like everyone on Providence wants to play down a spot. And Providence will probably at least sell Lance Ware on getting minutes because of that.
2: How much that actually happens, we'll see.
1: So that would be a nice way to fill your seventh man spot. um My heart was set on Zach Clements because he can stretch the floor, but you know I'm perfectly fine with Lance Ware. that should work out well. Uh, we had another pickup today for Arizona where they got Monteius Krivas, who supposedly is like a big time prospect, seven foot two from Lithuania, and this is the epitome of our Jonathan. Gavoni international player segment that we mention every time. There was a seven foot two, 2023 recruit who has supposedly been out there this whole time who was really good, really productive. And you and I follow college basketball. We follow recruiting very, very heavily. We certainly didn't know that this guy existed. And that's just what's it's just so amusing to me. Is that these guys literally fall out of the sky? Like this guy's gonna be probably ranked as like a top seventy-five recruit, and we had no idea who he was. And I'm sure draft Twitter probably knew. I'm sure coaches everywhere knew. Um, but it's just so crazy that oh, Arizona on May sixteenth found a a a great a great recruit between the couch cushions. So
2: supposedly. Supposedly, he was on the Lithuania team that was U19 that we watched with Tabellis.
0: And he played against Zach and didn't look particularly good doing it.
1: I watched but that, that be, game.
0: That, that game some, was like also th- like three years ago at this point. but Right. You would have expected him to be, you know, given that he was, what, 16 at the time. Yeah.
1: Age plays such a factor, like when you're a teenager. So, like a 16-year-old playing U19 is gonna probably look like crap. Um, but I guess that's that's a connection. Besides Tommy Lloyd's international ties as a former teammate with Mr. Tabalus.
2: Yes. Um.
0: So Arizona could still probably use a traditional, like, power forward type player. But Pell Arson is officially out of the draft. They could use, like, a backup guard potentially. But this roster looks fine. I don't think it's, like, an elite roster, but it's certainly a a team that can be near the, you know, the top top third of the Pac-12. Yeah,
1: I I think if they get, you know... Arthur Kaluma's out there, he's a pretty big fish. He he he's flawed, but but for a transfer, you you're not gonna do better than him. Um if they get Kaluma, slot him in with a four. And they and, and they just get like a functioning transfer guard who can be like your seventh man, sixth man type. Hit some three pointers, maybe. I think you could reasonably call Arizona the favorites in the pac twelve. O- over Oregon. And we still don't really know who's on this UCLA roster. I think USC. Yeah, yeah, USC too. Um, thinking about USC versus Arizona right now. I think Arizona has the front court edge. Uh, obviously, this is assuming that they do get Kahluma. I, mean, I, I, I really like, really like what I've seen from Kyle Boswell. Collier's going to be really good, obviously, as a a five-star number one player type. But Boswell was a five-star in 23-2 before he reclassed. He's a good player. Absolutely. You're a big
2: Kylan
0: Boswell guy. He pops. Um, Let's move on to a couple of schools in Mississippi that have made some moves. Uh, Mississippi State has added... Both Jimmy Bell and Andrew Taylor to the mix. Jimmy Bell from West Virginia, very big, wide-bodied five. Um, theoretically is the backup center because it sounds like Tolu Smith is gonna come back, but that has not been made official anywhere. So he's certainly good insurance. He's not the scorer, obviously, that uh, Tolu is, but he's a you know, he's a competent, you know, starting caliber front court player. For a team that really values defense, and then Andrew Taylor, the 20.5 rebound, five assist guy from Marshall, is a guy that I was told by a um, you know a coach in that in the Sun Belt is probably best as like a third or a fourth option. But for this team, I think there's a good chance he winds up usurping Deshaun Davis and starting a point guard.
1: Oh, so you see him and Shaquille Moore starting together in the backcourt.
0: That was my suggestion, but really it's three guys for two spots with Taylor, Moore, and Davis.
1: I mean, that's that that's a great threesome. I mean, Marshall was a good team, great league, obviously. Conference USA was as good as it's been in recent memory. They're Sun
0: Belt now, by the way. But yes. Starting next year, or start? Or... No, they were this past year. They won the Sun Belt regular season. This year they won the Sun Belt. They did. They they lost the. Marshall did? Yeah, they, they lost in the conference tournament, uh, and to, to Louisiana. And then Southern Miss played South Alabama. South Alabama beat them, and uh, that was that.
1: They weren't in Conference USA ever, or that's no. They said. were
0: just this
2: past year. They moved to the Sun Belt. Oh my god.
0: <laughs> Either way, Andrew Taylor.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm never going to figure out the new Sunbelt, new um, Conference USA, new American. It's never going to happen. Like Rice is in the American now, is that
2: right? Rice is in the American, that's correct. So maybe I'll get the American teams, but I won't get
1: Conference USA. Liberty, are they American or Conference USA? Conference USA. I'll have to quiz me later. Sam Houston is Conference USA now.
2: And New Mexico State, right? Huh.
0: But FAU, UAB, Charlotte, UTSA, uh, all of those are to the American as well as Rice, and I think one more that I'm forgetting. That's going to be a fascinating
1: conference. Memphis versus Florida Atlantic for the – for the top at the for for the spot at the top,
0: and then just staying with our Mississippi theme here, Ole Miss got Musa Cisse, another guy that is in kind of NCAA purgatory or general purgatory. They have Matthew Morrell in draft purgatory. They have Brandon Murray in NCAA purgatory, and now Musa Cisse, but this team's got some really tremendous. Uh, tremendous wing talent, and then big guys up front with Sharp, uh, Cisse, and then the young bigs like Rashad Marshall and Cameron Barnes. Uh, and then they've got Wings, Morell, Murray, and presumably Allen Flanagan. Really, only question is that point guard position with uh Austin Nunez right now. But I know that Ole Miss has been active in trying to recruit a, a potential point guard whether that be a guy that they can get into the portal late in the game, uh, something like that. They just need one more guy at, to run the show.
1: I think given the fact that Flanagan is probably going to commit. Theoretically. That they have Jamarian Sharp as well. Tells me that they're not too bullish on C and Murray's waivers. Do you get the same vibe?
2: Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't think people were very... I don't think people were very bullish on Moose's waiver, for sure.
1: You know, Mike went on the record and was more. like, all these guys think that they're going to play right away, and coaches are really like, yeah, yeah, we'll get you your waiver, but not going to happen. Correct.
0: Right. I think there needs to be one waiver and one waiver granted only, and that's for Sean Gordon. That's it.
1: Oh, he needs a waiver?
0: Yeah, cause he's... Been at Missouri and Austin Peay, and he's not a graduate yet. Non grad. Yeah, he's only been in college for like three semesters. (laughs) Oh man. Well, no, we'll see.
1: Um. So I have. So um. VCU, they got another Gavoni special, Michael Bell. At least we heard about him a couple weeks ago.
0: And he has statistics.
1: Yes. Uh, uh, the uh, Li- Lithuanian guy had statistics if you read the article, but not on a tweet itself. So. Um, yeah, they they had Michael Bell and they had Kwani Kwani
0: from Cal. I saw people saying Kwani Kwani was going to be like a five. He's not a five. He's like a wing. He's like a four.
1: Well, the five they have, Roosevelt Wheeler. Correct. Who is shockingly a non-factor both both years at Louisville, so we'll see. Change of senior. at oh, well. the A-10. They
0: also have... Multiple like really long athletic guys like Christian Fermin and Toibu wall
1: Fermin was a top like one fifteen ish recruiter. They think he like one ten or so. Um, so this team is probably gonna be the most talented team of the A10. But a lot of these A10 teams, you know, we can switch gears to Bonaventure too. Um, they're they're building like these nice interesting rosters, but no one has separated themselves as like a potential at at large bidding, even. I mean some of these teams like like Bonnie's and VCU you can see them getting there. But on a preseason bracketology, a preseason top 100 teams or anything like that, you're not gonna rank those teams in the top 50, I don't think.
0: Uh a hundred percent agree. Um VCU I'd be a little bit more inclined to just because of one program history and two Odom history. Um like Bonnie like I I they're good. I like they but also like one like these guys can't all play at once, right? So basically they just replace like two of Daryl Banks, Kyrell Luke and Moses Flowers' minutes with Adams Woods and Charles Pride. But right. like any other team, right? Like think about it this way. Is St. Bonaventure next year more talented than Cincinnati was? No. This past year. They're clearly less talented. And Cincinnati was like 70th. Oh, no, they were like 50, I think at mom, they wound up really high late. Um but Cincinnati was like not close to the bubble.
1: Right, because no no mid major team is ever gonna match up talent wise with a comparable bubble high major team. Right. They just the stars aligned, they won the right non conference games, and they found some sort of chemistry and they're rolling along. Like even Florida Atlantic, everyone's gonna have super high. I mean, that team does not match up talent-wise.
0: I, I mean, I think when you watch them on, like in the games, they didn't look that.
2: But like, if if one of the, if one of the Florida Atlantic
1: guys transferred, they would not rank super highly on the transfer list. That one thing.
0: I mean, John L. Davis could have went to Kentucky. Uh, and I know this I, because the rumor all all march was that John L Davis was transferring to Kentucky.
1: So, so, you think that like a John L Davis or like a Vlad Golden, they they Not
0: Vlad Golden, but John L Davis and Elijah Martin would have been recruited at the same level as like the Walter Claytons and what and what have you? I think.
1: I mean, is 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 Walter Clayton even one of the top guys anymore? He, he was, was still like on-
0: top 25 on all the lists.
1: Yeah.
2: I guess we'll see. In the new American conference for Florida Atlantic.
0: Um, yeah, Bonnie's could be something like what, Adams Woods, Banks, Pride, Carroll, and then Chad Venning?
1: Yeah, and then they, they got Noel Brown from George Washington. They got, obviously, he's Luke. A yeah, a Luke's back and Flower's back, so We'll see if Schmidt uses the uses his depth. It sounds, you know, if uh, if, if past years are any indication, that that's a no. The
0: the only thing with that Bonaventure that's notable, really, beyond just like okay, then they have another team that could make baby be making noise in the A10, is I think there was like a real narrative, and I I believe to a certain extent, like Steve Curran was their top assistant for a very long time. He left for George Mason with Tony Skin. And that was perceived like, okay, like the Bona thing is over. Because Curran was not only like a really, really well-respected assistant who was great with the players and developed talent and identified a lot of under-the-radar guys, but he was also seen as the catalyst for the Putnam connection. And Putnam has really delivered Bonaventure its best players over the last several years. And then this year, Charles Pride and Dwayne Thompson yeah, so, Bonav- yeah. Uh, 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 so 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 all of a sudden it looked like Bonaventure was kind of cooked right you know you're in the nil era obviously the fans really care but it's a very small town it's not like a not like a wealthy fan base necessarily like it's gonna be tricky and they've found some nil uh, I know there's been a lot of like speculation that that's Woj. I'm not totally sure whether or not it is but like that it's like the that is kind of like the trendy word on the street is that Woge is paying for my you know Adams Woods um that being said the reason for the big optimism shift they are hiring I believe I don't know if this has been reported yet but they are hiring Dana Valentine from Putnam and that got that that delivered Dwayne Thompson Charles Pride uh who turned down 110 from Minnesota to go to Bonaventure so take that for what you will um but Dana Valentine delivered those two guys and then helped deliver Mr. Adams Woods. So. I
1: mean at the time I was like Charles Pride, why aren't you just going to Minnesota? But um Minnesota with with Charles Pride is last place or second to last place in the Big Ten. So Bonnie's at least have a shot now, I think, to win the league. As 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 we said earlier though, it's gonna be an auto bid, most likely. Unless the stars align like they have for Utah State previously like they have for Florida Atlantic and Wyoming and the one or two teams every year. Um, Warren Washington to Texas Tech, that's that—that's a nice pickup. Huh? He's super athletic. He's huge. And that Tech one made a lot say,
0: of sense because Texas Tech just had no fives.
1: It's him and Robert Jennings who was in the portal briefly and got a lot of interest. Surprising amount of interest for like a three star big who
0: barely played, but also not a five. Well, if yeah. not, then who Kyron well, Lindsay, or Lindsay was going to be the guy I would have penciled in. But but
1: that's all we have on Texas Tech. We have an even bigger guy going to Syracuse, I think it, McLeod. He McLeod, who, um, yeah, seven four, he was like. U R I with David Cox really wanted him, and then he signed with Florida State, but had to go to JUCO, and you know, was on the, the Leonard Hamilton path of those seven footers They play like 13 minutes or whatever. Um, but he, he's off to Syracuse. where he'll probably play a, b- a bunch more. They needed
0: they, a. They have a glaring hole at the five.
1: Like he's not that good, but he is enormous. And if they play zone, they. They have a great zone team on paper. Like Starling and Westry both have good size. Obviously, Quadier Col- Copeland has a great size coming off the bench. Your wings are all pretty big, and you have a 7 4 dude in the back. So we'll see if they stick with the zone. But.
0: Yeah. Um, Terrence Oglesby pointed this out really astutely. Like, Naheem McLeod is a really bad pick and roll defender. He's a really, four. Right, but he is a potentially very good zone center. Uh, and it is a very interesting kind of psychological thing here with with Syracuse because there is this appearance or this vision for Adrian Autry that like he wants to modernize, right? Like he wants them to, you know, not he wants to like make his mark. And one of the thing areas that I think was commonly discussed, including by him directly to um you know, just people in the basketball world was like, Yeah, I'm not playing zone anymore. But like, this is the team to play zone. <laughs> like, think about like the way, wi- like the, the wings of this zone with like Chris Bell, Benny Williams, Malik Brown. Brown, even like a Justin Taylor is like six foot six. Yeah, Benny Williams is like six nine. Like, <laughs> right, they have awesome size. We'll see where they are offensively, but they have a chance to be a good zone team. The question, I think the question really is like, what is the ceiling for like a 90% zone team in 2023? Defensively, like, can you be a top 20 defense playing zone? No, zone, zone's got to be a change up these days. Right. But, but if
1: you can if, if you're going to commit to the zone, they do have the pieces, obviously because Bayheim was committed and you've added Starling, Westry, and McLeod, who all have great size for their position. And and they'll still probably need one more guard, given that it seems like Vince is gone, but... He is, yeah.
0: I just... I just wonder, like... I'm not sure their defense will be that much better if they play man, but I just think there's such a ceiling to zone defensively. Like, when was the last time Syracuse had a top-20 defense?
1: Well, you think back when Syracuse was rocking and rolling, you know, power forwards were like these six-nine centers that were just firing elbow jumpers, and a lot of point guards could shoot. And you know, it, it's like a whole whole different sport. You know, watching highlights even from like 2011 versus
0: now, it's it's, it's a completely different sport. So from 2010 through 2016. Syracuse was top 20 in defense every season. That was they got two one seeds in that stretch. They got a three seed, a four seed, like they were rocking. And then they went to a Final Four and 16. In 17 they were 135. In 18 they were top five again in defense, but they couldn't score. But they, the last four year, or yeah, the last four years they've been 116, 77, 207, and 185.
1: Because he went too big on shooting. That 2018 team, that, that must have been the last year of Pascal Chukwu, right? Let's look.
0: 2018. That team did have Pascal Chukwu, but he was back for 2019. Oh. 2019, they were 30th in defense, though, so they were fine.
2: So let's good.
1: So this is the 17-18 Syracuse team that
0: yeah, that was their last. That was their. That was their elite eight team. That was an 11 seed, or no? I think it was a sweet 16, because they played Arizona in the Arizona State in the first round of the first four. Um, that was that was the highest battle. Frank Howard, O'Shea Brissett, uh, and Don't, then they solely Dolegai and and Matthew Moyer at the four.
1: I mean, this this team had no depth at all. No, no, they were playing five. But like this makeup is very similar to the makeup they have now. Yes. Like Frank Howard and Tyus Battle as your one and two. Just double checking the heights. Yeah, Howard six five, Battle six six. If they're going now with Starling and Westry, I think that's 7'2", six, six, Chuku in the back, and a, and a Chuku is much better than McLeod, but seven four McLeod in the back.
0: You are you are a big passable Chuku guy.
1: Because people were like he sucks because he looks ridiculous and he doesn't look at the basket he did look ridiculous <laughs> but like he was blocking every shot he was deterring every shot and he he was like a, a monster defensively he just would not look at the basket, but that's okay when you're seven two so hopefully McLeod can give him some of that but if this this roster makeup is is pretty similar to what they had um in seventeen eighteen Uh, let me keep scrolling Let me find some more.
0: Do we have anything else we want to hit on today? Some more
1: gets. Um, do you like Raekwon Mitchell to Penn State?
0: Uh, not particularly, but like Penn State needs bodies, and they weren't going to get anyone better. They're going to be bad.
1: They, they might be worse than Minnesota.
0: No. I think Mike Rhodes is too high floor.
1: I mean, right now, they're, they're, their best player is Ace Baldwin. Who's their second-best player? Is it Zach Hicks? Kudus Wahab. Kudus Wahab. He wasn't even Georgetown's
0: second-best player last year.
1: Mike Rhodes with Georgetown's roster roster.
0: roster last year might have made the tournament. What was that? Sorry. I said that Mike Rhodes with Georgetown's roster last year might have made the tournament. I don't know. We'll see.
1: (laughs) The uh, Georgetown roster from last year is really testing the uh, double waiver with Primo Spears and Brandon Murray.
0: And Bradley as a Wero, who's going to St. Louis. St.
1: Louis. That's a nice pickup for St. Louis. Again, they had no fives.
0: Like, I does. actually like Bradley as a Wero.
1: He can score, yeah. He he's he's good inside. He's he looks big. good
0: out there. Yeah, he looks good out
1: there. Motor doesn't run super hot all the time, and his defense isn't very good, but he'll he'll score, he'll knock people around and score inside.
0: He's big and physical and tough. Um I think Penn State would be better than Minnesota. Maybe that's just me being too down on the Ben Johnson regime. But their guards are Mike Mitchell, Cam Christie, Elijah Hawkins, and Brayden Carrington. Next.
1: Um, Alabama needs one more front court guy. I figured it would have just been Papa Conte, but it seems like now Conte's going to go to Georgia
0: Tech. There's been a lot of discussion about uh, Jaron Stevenson.
1: Re... re- reclass him from twenty four?
0: Yeah. But he's been discussed to a reclass at Virginia and a reclass at North Carolina as well.
1: But even then so you're they would have three freshman power forwards to choose from. Stevenson, Sam Walters who's like top hundred and is a little lower than Walters. Jaron's supposed to be really talented though. Is that he a five star? I
0: don't know. I don't I don't know my uh, 2024s yet. That's that's the 20, it, it also is worth noting, um, at least based on EYBL. I've talked to multiple people who've been out on the road. Like there was the narrative of like, okay, like 2023 sucks, but at least 24 and 25 are better. 24 is not substantially better. Yeah, I saw people like, saying that I've heard 24 could be worse. Yeah, yeah, 24 could be worse. 25 is really good because of Boozer, um, and cool. Cooper Flag, and, and guys like that. And then 2026 20, is also supposed to be quite good.
1: AJ DeBansa,
0: who's But yes, Garrett Stevenson is a five-star
1: 2024.
0: Okay. Top 15
1: recruit. Yeah, AJ DeBansa is a, a. a 2026 20, who's playing 17U and putting up numbers. Yeah, he's a stud. He's from like 20 minutes from where I live, I guess. Um. The end Providence. Have the offer him and Cooper Flag. <laughs> Kimmy, hey, Kimmy's texting dudes. If, if uh, Kim English can put three guys in the NBA this year, who knows? The uh, floodgates can be open. That's we'll be that's, that's that's the real
0: test. But those not, are all those not, are, all, good they are. They are. Those are all are gifted games? by Ed Cooley, so it doesn't count. They'll, 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 yeah, AJ DeBansa should go to Georgetown because Garway Duel makes the NBA under Kim English. That'd be so funny.
1: <laughs> We're gonna hear that take. Um, maybe still the front runner for worst power, Six team. Notre Dame, four spots left.
0: What are we waiting for? Who Who's going to fill out this, this roster? There've been a couple, like where they get connected as soon as they get connected with a transfer, I assume they're going to get them like RJ Sunahara. That seemed like a gimme, like whatever. It's a great school. Like he gets me the best player. And then he's going to Georgia where he like might not start.
1: How about Georgia's running off top one hundred recruits? They're <laughs> just stacking up bodies. They are pushing all the chips in this year.
0: But they also did this last year. They were like, all right, like just Wan Holt, sure. Alexander Moncrief, sure. Kyron Lindsay, sure. Now they just kept taking all these guys in like the one hundred to one fifty range. And I think all these transfers are kinda of like that level of recruit.
1: So they're like a little better this year than they are last year. Yeah. Incremental improvement from from Georgia. But
0: are they going to just keep doing this every spring?
1: Till the money runs dry. Yeah. They're in the MTU with uh, Kansas State, Miami, and Providence. So I'm not sure who I would want Providence to play.
0: I uh, will say but... I was amused to see that Northwestern is playing in the uh, Hall of Fame tip-off at Mohegan Sun. Because the last time Northwestern played in that event was the uh, – that was the year after they made the tournament the last time. And that was when they got beat by like 34 points by Texas tech, like week two of the year. And people were like, Oh shit, Northwestern might be bad. So. Was, was that the first time you realized that you missed Sanjay Lumpkin? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I just remember that day because I was like, I had, you know, I was you know freshman in college and I was like, my, one of my first times being like really hung over. I was like, so hung over And I dragged myself out of bed to go watch the Northwestern football game. They're playing Minnesota. It was senior day. It was like hailing. And I was like trying to watch our running back who is like a star, like program legend, like have his last game of his career. And I watched, I I left at halftime because I was like soaked and it was like 22 to nothing Northwestern. I was like, okay, I'm going to go home and I'm going to take like a 20 minute nap and I'm going to watch Northwestern basketball against Texas tech. And then I woke up like, two and a half hours later, and I looked at the score, and I was like, Jesus Christ, we got worked.
2: Did you end up watching the uh,
0: ESPN Plus replay, or did you just kind of – I never
1: watched it. I've never seen a second of that game. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of a team that no one's watched in a couple of years, uh, Wichita State. (laughs) (laughs) That's an all-time transition from you right there, Brad. I mean, they are going to be the forgotten team of the AAC, but it's also an opportunity. Uh, For them to move up, come in third behind Memphis and Florida Atlantic,
0: maybe? Uh, I don't think their roster really is close to that.
1: Do you think, like, North Texas and uh, UAB are that much better? I think UAB is. If you take a photo, one of these stretch fives that don't make shots. No stretch fives make shots. That is what I've learned this portal season. Um, They're all shooters in theory. And they also had Ronnie DeGray from Missouri, who kind of got boxed out of the rotation this year. They have, very good. Yeah. They, they have a few high
0: major cast offs. The one that they're really swinging for is Damian Collins, which would be an interesting get. I guess they have a connection to him um, through Quincy Acey, who's on their staff. Huh. But I. I'm not necessarily convinced that's the right situation for Damian Collins to walk into because, like, he is still very, very limited offensively. Yeah, where where is he supposed to go? <laughs> like, <laughs> he would be a good fit at a place that has a really, like, good roster around him, and he could be, like, a starting center next to, like, a powerful four, like a rebounding four man. Or he could be, like, the four next to, like a like, a stretchier five. He right, should so go like to Butler
1: that. then. <laughs> what? He should go like Butler then.
0: Well, I think he could like Illinois would make a lot of sense. I think he visited Danger potentially.
1: Garrier, yeah. I don't
0: know. It, it's just it's a little weird. Like Wichita, like is he supposed to be the leading scorer? going to average like eleven points a game and shoot, like forty-one percent of the field? He's very talented, but like he's not like an offensive weapon in any way. Or any like meaningful way, at least. So like I don't know what what the deal would be there, but like he's one of those talented to take, and he theoretically also is a multi year guy.
1: Remember when your uh, your guy Carm, wouldn't let Kobe Kobe Rogers play? I know that,
0: that was, was all like, the last runoff waiver
1: disputes. How about that? That that was like a complete non story. Like the only reason I knew about that was because I obviously know you, and I follow the Wichita State
0: beat writer on Twitter who put out a couple of articles about it. He kept like, interviewing me about it, yeah. He'd been like, oh, yeah, what do you think? Like, no, no one cared. No one cared at all. No one yes. missed your question. <laughs> like, yeah, Jay Billets couldn't even, like, circle the wagons about the thing. Yeah. All right. well, he oh, might, man. I mean, Coley Rogers might be, like,
2: their
1: best guard. Are you selling all the uh,
0: Harlan Beverly stock? I mean, I'm intrigued by Harlan Beverly, but I'm not, like, I wouldn't say I'm in. No, I'm not in on, on, on Wichita
1: State either, by the way. Um, okay, good. And NC State, another team, Kevin Keats pushing all the chips in. Well,
0: but- Mr. Mr. O'Connell was supposed to go to – it was them or Wichita, NC State or Wichita State.
1: So he's the backup point guard here, probably the sixth or seventh man. He's the
0: only like, true point guard on the roster.
1: It's not that good. I think they'll start Horn and Taylor, but like this is like the, the the epitome of 2023 roster building, right? Where like I saw Georgetown fans saying about Miranda after you were like, Keys definitely didn't want Miranda because he got two transfers. they were like, well, Miranda hasn't played a game, and yeah, that's the logic that coaches are using everywhere. We we went over with. Ernest Uday in Kansas, right? Like, oh, we can't trust him to be a starter. He's never been a starter before. Like, this idea that Kevin Keats may have run off a top 50 recruit to get, like, a solid backup point guard is, like, insane. But it probably happened.
0: Well, they were recruiting O'Connell. It's hard to know, like, the order of operations. Yeah. But they were recruiting O'Connell before Isaiah Miranda went in the portal.
1: Right. And, like, they
0: have – so they were recruiting, as so they're going to have a spot. Whether that was a spot because of runoff or whether that was they thought he was going to transfer or whatever it was, they expected a spot.
1: And so they have Lyron Thomas, who was a borderline top 100 recruit, he's going to be a sophomore. Brayon Pass was a top 150, he's going to be a junior. And I believe Tremaine Parker was around top 150 as well. And the coaches, they just can't trust these guys for whatever reason. Mike, Mike Boyne's doing the same thing with Oklahoma State, where they get this kid from North Florida. They had a top 100 kid in Jamron Keller, uh, but they can't even trust a top 100 recruit to be the fifth man, the fifth guard. It's like kind of crazy, but that's that's how everyone's doing it. We just went over Mike White is just you know running off Wayne Holt. You know who was a top 100 recruit. They they have their 11th man as a transfer. They're just going. You know teams are just pushing all their chips in.
2: Well, if
0: you're if you're on the if, – if you might be on the hot seat, you really hit better. Yeah. I mean, Oklahoma State did this when they took Jarius Hicklin. Jarius Hicklin is a bad get. He's a very – he's a solid catch-and-shoot player, but he literally can create no separation, and his assists are all like hockey assists from like playing in zones. He's not like a real – like, dynamic shot creator for others. That's I don't really know center. why he's even going to play. Like, I'm looking at their roster here. I'm like, all right, like, is he over Caleb Asbury? No. Is he over Javon Small? No. Is he over J- John Michael Wright? No. Is he over... Is he even over, like, Hewan Williams? Or, like, why is he ahead of Jamarian Keller?
1: That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> like, you can't trust a top 100 recruit to be your fifth guard? Might as well take him. The next year, rinse and repeat. Do it all over again. I mean, these these freshmen are so screwed. <laughs> like, like guys guys who in you know five years ago, Jamirian Keller, you know, plays ten minutes a game as a freshman, fifteen as a sophomore, as a senior, he's you know, averaging thirteen a game as starting on like a good Oklahoma State team. Now he's averaging fifteen a
0: game for like James Madison. Well, and again, like these kids should think logically to a certain extent, right? Like, so, so Oklahoma State is right there, right? Like, if you're if you're J- Jamiron Keller, you either well, why wouldn't why wouldn't you just go to like East Carolina, right? It's so, like Oklahoma State, right? They they just took Javon Small. Javon Small is now the starting shooting guard. Why doesn't Jamiron Keller just go to East Carolina out of high school, put up his fifteen a game as a sophomore, and then transfer and start at Oklahoma State?
1: Because how can a top one hundred recruit not be a high major player? This is like ridiculous.
0: They are what? high major players. they're just not gonna play. Right.
1: But <laughs> and
2: they're but always why, gonna be recruited But over. that's
0: why everyone's recycling each other's failed experiments. Yeah. Right? That's why you're seeing more and more like top one hundred recruits like staying at the level. Right? Like I'm trying to think of a
2: good example of this. Like, there's a certain
0: like, equity. Like, Frank Ancelone? Yeah, you just keep cycling. These guys just keep cycling through, especially at positions of value. Right? But, like, it, like, like every one of, like, Sienna's best guard every year under under Karm has eventually moved up to play at, like, a high
2: level. If you were a recruit, and you could
0: go like sit the bench at like I don't know like like if you're Isaiah Watts who's Sienna recruited, committed to C- all and then he just reopened and went to Washington State. If you're Isaiah, Isaiah Watts. Why are you sitting the bench at these places? Just go to Sienna out of high school, be the be the man, and then transfer.
2: Yeah, that's that's the logical take, but I think it's just
1: like these. These guys are so highly ranked. Like you're just like I'm sure even the people around them are still kind of a few years behind. With like yeah, I've coached top 100 recruits the past 10 years, and they've all done really well at Big Ten schools. Uh, but now it's like if you're ranked a hundredth, you're probably in trouble going to Michigan
2: or even like Ohio State or
1: I don't know. Anyway. Oh, well. Another forgotten AAC team, Temple. They had Jordan Riley. It's a fine pickup. They had Steve Settle from Howard, who's like this rail-thin big guy. He's he's like a wing. Well,
2: he's going to play the five for for Temple. Is he?
1: Given their roster, yeah. I
0: don't think he's playing the five. He didn't even play the five at Howard, I don't think. I
1: think... He hit him at the five, and Jaleel White at the four. White White is like, you know, he he's a more physical player, but even to I your they, point, they, I, I think White played like the two and the three
0: mostly under Aaron McKee. Yes, yeah, they're very small. I mean, they they've taken a lot of these like wing type players. Who do they take? At the, who do they have up front? They have uh... Emmanuel Okpomo.
1: They have. Uh, who was not a rotation player of memory reserves, and they have Taj Thwett,
0: who transferred from West Virginia. One who should who should you have? I mean, Jameel Reynolds. Yeah, he should just go back to Temple, Be like the starting center. He, he made the six, yeah. So he's just wait. He's at Cincinnati. Like, what's he doing?
1: I guess the the allure of the Big Twelve, but if he has. Two years, he, he could play out this year, be Temple's best player by far, and then transfer higher.
0: Yeah, there's some interesting backcourt pieces here though at Temple with Haizir Miller, Quante Barry, Jordan Riley, Shane dezzoni Um, they have a pure shooter in Matteo Picarelli. Uh, and then you mentioned Julio White. They just are like really really thin in the front court. Like Steve 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 Settle is listed at 175 pounds.
1: Yeah, like six eleven, one seventy five or something. Um, but this seems to be terrible, e- even in the
0: watered down AAC. They're they're gonna be really bad. You gonna be really bad. You don't know, like their guards. I don't like their guards. I mean, I'm looking at the league and I'm saying, all right, Tul- Tulane should be bad. T- Tulsa should be bad. Charlotte should be worse than them. Like, I mean, right. The question will be like, what number like in that league, like. There could be, like, a bunch of, like, non-top-150-ish teams, you know. It's also flipped their entire roster, except for one dude. Which, I mean, they were horrendous last year. Like, they were, like, offensive. They were, like, like 3-and-20-something or whatever. Um, But the really exciting gets for them were um, Kobe Williams and Isaiah Barr.
1: Right, I'm I'm not even saying that they're going to be good, but they literally flipped the entire roster for the most part, Uh, even more so than Ricky P. They should have. They were, like,
2: they were getting worked every game. Like, hold on, let's look. Honestly, though, it remains one of the
0: funnier things ever, that, like... If this was like an at-large team like five years ago, and and the team didn't even watch the selection show. They were like
1: going bowling because they figured they were in the NIT.
0: <laughs> if this would never load, that'd be helpful. Yeah, Frank Hay took them to the NIP or the NCAA tournament once, and Danny Manning took Tulsa to the NCAA tournament once. Yeah, they went five and twenty-five last year. And after the, – the, they won one – other than their one win, in their final 19 games, only – I believe only three of – four of them were decided by single digits. Wow. <laughs> like I mean, like
1: we, we have pegged that roster – I mean, everyone pegged that roster as being horrible in the preseason, too.
0: I just kind of was like, all right, like – I don't know. Eric Conkle seems like a good coach, and this roster is like it's in the AAC, so they shouldn't be worse than like one fiftieth. And they were like th- They were three sixteen. Why isn't Kenny Payne shouting this from the rooftops? <laughs> Look at Tulsa three three hundred. My God, three sixteen. What an eyesore. I, I I would have never guessed that they were that low. I mean they I'm telling you, they were getting worked every game. Like if you look, they lost like they they lost to some bad teams by a lot of points. They lost to South Florida, who was 145, lost 18 games, and its coach got fired. They lost to them 96 to 69. <laughs> they lost to Houston. They played Houston twice. They lost to them 89 to 50 and 80 to 42. <laughs> <laughs> they were just getting destroyed by all these teams. They lost SMU, who was 183. They lost them 92 to 67.
1: And speaking of SMU, it was where I wanted to
0: hit next. Oh, boy.
1: Another team that's throwing all the chips in as fast as they can. They added BJ Edwards, top 100 crew who redshirted Tennessee. So their backcourt now has Chuck Harris. They had BJ Edwards. They have Denver Anglin from Georgetown, who was supposed to be one of the best shooters in the country and barely played. They could get Zarek Phelps back. He's testing the waters. He will be back, I think. Yep. Yeah. And they have your buddy uh Ricardo Wright, who I know that you are not a fan of. Um and then Jalen Smith, who I believe started this past year for them. All back. They added Jaheim Hudson and Tyreek Smith to a front court that already had Samuel Williamson, and Keon Ambrose Hilton. They still have Xavier Foster kicking around, but he's he's washed. Um, so they have a team of literally, I believe everyone is a transfer except for Jalen Smith.
0: And Zarek Phelps. Yes, and,
1: and Phelps. So they, I, they have pushed all the chips in.
0: I actually, maybe this is like a, I don't think they're South florida e. I, I I'm like actually very intrigued by this team. I was intrigued by them last year, and I'm I'm kind of in. Like like their lineup could be something like Denver Anglin, Chuck Harris, Zurich Phelps, Samuel Williamson, and Tyreek Smith, with like Jaheem, like Jaheim Hudson and Keon Ambrose Hilton off the bench in the front court. Uh and then in the backcourt have like BJ Edwards and Jalen Smith and Ricardo Wright off the bench. I mean I'm I'm like, I I'm excited
1: about that team. I'm interested. And I, I guess here here's the uh question that we're gonna bring up every time with the A C is you know, can 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 they hit that third spot? Can they beat North Texas in UAB? But like, to me, I think that's like an NIT-ish team. That's that's exactly what I thought about them last year, and they, and they were terrible. Now they, they have a lot more small guards who can shoot and score, and they're going to be going smaller up front, it looks like.
0: But, I mean, I've always been a fan of Tyreek Smith.
2: So
1: I'm scrolling here. I think we are. I think we we've must be. We squeezed
0: it dry for the for the week.
1: I I still have a decent amount of scrolling to do here. Aaron Uless in Nebraska. I think we must have done that.
0: We, yeah, I think we did a couple weeks ago. Well,
1: how about this? Jaquan Walton finds a home very quickly. Going to Central Florida.
2: I mean, whatever. They're gonna stink. Are Are they the worst team in the Big Twelve?
0: I think so. I mean who who do you I, who do you nominate as worst? BYU usually the only
2: other option. And I think BYU's got a little bit better roster.
1: And a better coach. Davion Smith finally pulled the trigger for Utah. I thought
0: that, that already happened, but when Utah got a surprise visit from Ray J. Dennis. I didn't just, see that. It huh. seemed very odd. Unless I unless I'm dreaming.
1: I thought he was visiting Baylor and uh Kansas State. Or, or no, Baylor and Texas Tech, maybe I'm not sure. but
0: Yeah, Ray, Ray J. Dennis visited Utah, which just seemed very odd to me
2: because I think,
0: like, they made a lot of moves as though they have no NIL. And then they hopped into, like, the most expensive sweepstakes still available at the last second.
2: So unless there's a connection that I'm unaware of,
0: I do need to add Davion Smith to my depth chart. I don't know if he's starting or not.
1: I think he probably will at this point. Is he either him over? or uh, Wilkins ex exact?
0: Well. Who did you? I had I had Wooster, Madsen, Badjema, Carlson, Carlson.
1: I had Smith, Wooster, Mads. Uh, Hold on, I, I I I gotta go back and look at it. Um, so I had Smith, Wooster,
0: Bejima, Madsen, and Brandon Carlson. Sorry. So you're ditching Ben Carlson to play smaller.
2: That's fine. You're Here's an interesting be- one too.
1: So if uh if anyone was playing around with T-Rank in their transfer portal. There was a guy who the whole year was at the top of the list. No one's ever heard of him. There was no mention of visits, of, of fans asking if their team can get a visit from this guy. Complete radio silence. Snap of the finger, he pops to Washington State. I- Isaac Jones from Idaho, analytical darling. Sounds like maybe M- M- Muhammad Gay is staying in the draft. So he, I think so. He the starting center. Uh, Washington
0: State should be pretty good. I think, I think pretty good is probably a bit of a bit of a stretch, but you're you are the you are the world's foremost Kyle Smith appreciator because of my article. So he does more with less. He does. I mean, look, like the fact that they were where, where were they? I mean, obviously their Ken Palm is always like super inflated, like because they they have mastered the Ken Palm rig. But the fact that Washington State was like – Washington State lost from the previous Mm -hmm. season. They went to the NIT championship game or were the semifinal. They lost Noah Williams, Michael Flowers, Tyrell Roberts, uh, F.A. Abigidi, uh, and then Deshaun Jackson. They lost all of those guys and turned around the next year and still went – finished 67th in Ken Palm and played in the postseason. I think they played in the, the CBI for some reason. Or no, the NIT. Eastern Washington, yeah, that would be the NIT, I think.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, like good good for them. It's nice.
1: And so we're talking next year, Justin now Powell. Is
0: gay and Bomba <coughs> and DJ Robin. That's so
1: what we're saying. Okay, we got Justin Powell. We have Joe Yesifu, That That's a nice reclamation project. Jade Mullins had a good year. You have Juan Su off the bench who showed some flashes. Then your front court, you have... Yakimovsky back again, Isaac Jones, Jalen Wells who's a great Division II player, and then Chin Yellow who's a top 100 recruit. That's a that's a fine top eight. You can work with that. With a ball coach like Kyle Smith.
0: Yeah, it's fine.
2: They need somebody to, like be a star. Just oh. Um
1: uh-huh. Did we ever do Jalen Tyson to Cal? I think we must have done that. I think we did, yeah. Um, Bobby Clinton is gone, it seems. I didn't yeah. realize the stock had exploded. His
0: stock, has, had. his stock has not exploded to the level that Kevin O'Connor is talking about. Kevin O'Connor ranking him 15th on his big board. He's, like, never seen him play live. He's so preposterously stupid. I've never seen anything dumber. Kevin O'Connor put
1: Killian Hayes at number one.
0: Every Every year, there is one guy that, like, the internet who doesn't watch basketball decides somehow someday is actually really good. Like uh, last year was Leonard Miller. Um, you know, every, it's a, There's always like this random, like NBA, like mystery man of the draft. And sometimes they do what Bobby Clinton's doing, but just shut it down. Right? Like why would Bobby Clinton play at the combine? Bobby Clinton would be like very, very average at the combine.
1: See, I thought he was supposed to be a next year guy. I thought he was supposed to come back. He'll average 15 a game next year. Be a first round pick. But he-
0: his agent is in his ear. He'll be like, a, like he'll be like, someone will draft him in the second round and they'll develop him. Over, you know, they'll develop in their G League. I actually think, I, I'll, and again, by by the way, like I don't no issue with that, right? Like I, I think a guy like Bobby Clement has a very unique skill set at his size. Probably is a better developmental project for an NBA team than a college team that has like multiple motives. Right. Like, like Wake Forest isn't putting the ball in Bobby Clinton's hand over Hunter Salas because I think they want they want to win games, you know. But like, I so I, I, I I'm i kind of split on the whole thing. Look, like, terms of, like, why should you return to Wake? But like, just think about it this way. Bobby Clinton came off the bench for Sunrise Christian Academy last year or two years ago. Then he he he, he was going to go to Maryland. He reopens after the coaching change. He is out there for a while. And, like, I can tell you, like, multiple mid-pluses were, like, not that interested in recruiting him. Because they just didn't, like, they knew he was, like, talented, but they didn't think he'd contribute right away. And they thought it was going to be a, you know, circus. Like, it's not, it's not, like, quite Mongolian Mike, but it's kind of, like, it was kind of like that. Where it was, like, all right, like, we're getting this kid who's going to, like, have expectations. But we're not going to really meet them. So, like, why would we take them? Eventually, goes to Wake.
1: He was a Colorado
0: first. Oh, that's right. He had the brief Colorado commitment that he didn't get in the school. Um, like he was out there for a bit, and then he goes to Wake Forest and he comes off the bench and averages you know what, six and five, five and four yeah. for a team that did not play in the postseason, did not make the NIT. Like, I if you want to draft him in this late second round, or you want to take him on a on a on a two-way, you whatever. That's cool, right? Like, that's a worthwhile risk in my mind, whatever. But the idea that he would be 15th on your big board without having ever played an impactful minute of basketball in his life is one of the stupidest things I have ever heard in my life.
1: So when we did our, which sub 100 recruit was going to score the most points per game this year? I, I I actually chose Clinton. Now, it didn't work out, but now he's going to be a... First round pick or at least a second round pick. I I, I think even Vicini had on like thirty fifth or something. So
0: Vicini got uh got duped into writing the dra- the article that proclaimed him the Nexus of this year's draft class. Um, which if that if that is not a plant from an agent, I have never seen a more obvious one in my life. Um but at nexus least the- as in like the the
1: key domino, like the most yes. intriguing
0: Somehow the most intriguing player in the draft, just not Victor Wembanyama, who's the best prospect in the history of team sports. It is Bobby Clintman, who's going to go like 47th to the Rockets and play one NBA game in the next two years. Um, it's it's so absurd. But at least at least Sam is a good enough evaluator. To like see the talent, but like not rank him in the top 30. Like putting him 15th, which Kevin O'Connor did, is again is is preposterously stupid.
1: I mean, I don't know how he recovered from putting Killian Hayes number one. That was so ridiculous at the time. It was like a, a point guard who couldn't shoot as a number one player in the in the whole class.
0: He, I, I don't know if I don't know if you saw his most recent uh, his most recent board beyond, but he always does these like comparisons, like you refer to him as shades of. And he lists just like complete nonsense. Like he listed Chris Murray's Shades of as left handed Keegan Murray. I mean, they're not that similar, guy. And then number two with Bo- Bobby Clinton, his comparison was Shades of Nick Batum. The only comparison between Bobby Clinton and Nick Batum is that they're light skinned and from Europe.
1: Yeah, Clinton is more of like a. Um,
2: he's more of like. can't even think of a good off the top of my head, but he, he's a scorer.
0: But right. like a facilitator. Thing. And then and then for Cam Whitmore, he wrote, shades of a semi-truck with a Ferrari's accelerator. I mean, What does that even mean? He's not like, wrong what man. What are you talking about? No one plays with power like Cam Whitmore. Yeah, like, he's I saw measured
1: all, at 6'5". I saw all these Pistons fans being
0: like, oh my God, what happened? I'm like, you guys are going to get Cam Whitmore. you will be fine. I don't think Cam Whitmore is going five. I think they're going to get, like, Taylor Hendricks. They're going to get one of the Thompson's, I think. But They they uh, should take Cam Whitmore. You're a Cam Whitmore believer.
1: I mean, the, the jumpers go in, and he's, like, f- ferocious going to the basket. He just doesn't know what he's doing yet.
0: I would take Jarris over him. I would take Taylor Hendricks over him. He's got more upside than those
2: guys. Anything else? No. Somehow we still went two hours. I know.
0: We we can't be stopped. All right, folks. Lots to come here in the next couple weeks as we wrap up draft decisions and eventually can put a top 25 on paper. So talk to you all next week.